0: Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're in a series called For the Love of Others. We've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're going through its entirety. I've just break, broken it up into different series. When I was looking at chapters uh, 8 through 10, I think it is, when I was working th- looking through at chapters 8 and 10, I was kind of noticing a, a common theme in Paul's writing, and that was that he was trying to teach us something, that there's some things that we need to do not just for ourselves, but there's sometimes we need to sacrifice for the love of others. The two commandments that were given in Scripture is to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and then to love others as we would love our, even ourselves. We are too called to love others. So our text today for this, for this message is found in the first half of chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. And I encourage you, if you have your Bibles or if you, whatever, if you do it on your phone or your iPad... Open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. That's the only scripture we're going to go into today. And this is not an easy scripture. Paul's writings are not always easy. But I think this is a really encouraging scripture. I think you'll get um, a really, hopefully a revelation out of this passage of scripture. In some ways, this message, or this week's message, is a continuation from last week's message. Last week, Paul challenged the believers in Corinth to give up some personal freedom They give up some personal rights for their love of others. Meaning, if doing something would cause your brother or sister to stumble, and when I say brother or sister, I'm not talking about like our immediate family. When you come to Christ, when you uh, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you enter into what's called the family of God. And you have brothers and sisters all around the world. All of us who claim that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we're a part of one family. So that's what Paul is writing here. But it means if, if doing something causes your brother or sister to stumble, even though it doesn't bother your conscience and it's not specifically prohibited in the Bible, maybe you should consider refraining from participating in that action because of your love for others. So, for example, last week I was talking about how Paul was challenging the believers in Corinth did not eat the meat that was sacrificed to idols because it was bothering for some of them. Some of them said, well, there is the idols aren't real. They're just wood and stone. It doesn't really matter. If they're on sale at Smith's and they're half off, I'm going to buy that meat and barbecue it. Mean, I'm going to save the money. But for others, it was bothering their conscience because they didn't recognize that it was sacrificed to idols. And they had come out of that lifestyle. So Paul is saying, wait. Why do that if that's going to bother your brother or sister's conscience? Can't you sacrifice that for the love of others? Do you see where I'm going, right? So we never want to become a stumbling block to a believer who struggles in a certain area of their faith. At times, God calls us to set aside our rights and our freedoms for the love of others. In chapter 9, we find the apostle Paul both defending his rights as an apostle... And surrendering his rights as an apostle. It's actually a kind of a confusing chapter, but there's an interesting dichotomy here that we're, I'm going to share with you today. I was trying not to read the entirety of this passage of Scripture just for the sake of time. But I kept looking at it and said, no, i got to read the whole thing. So we're going to go on a journey in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Follow along with me. We're going to start at verse 1. Am I not as free as anyone else? And this is the Apostle Paul writing Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. He's talking to the people in Corinth. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Questioning his authority, remember there's a letter that was written by the church of Corinth asking some questions. He's answering these questions. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and to share meals? Don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us as the other apostles and the Lord's brothers do and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion? Or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than to be an obstacle to the good news of Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple and those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rights. And I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. And we're all going, what is Paul talking about? Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice. For God has given me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the Apostle Paul's writings that you inspired him to write this passage of text for each and every one of us. And I pray, God, revelation would come into our hearts and mind today. And as we hear your word... As I pray continually, Lord God, that it would not just lay dormant in our lives, but God, it would be like a seed that all of a sudden just germinates and starts to grow in our hearts and our minds, and Lord, that we might be changed from the inside out to be more like you. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. The first thought that I want to look at today is Paul's defense of his apostolic rights. An apostle, just so I can define this for everybody to understand what an apostle is, most of you understand who pastors are, maybe who an evangelist is, who comes and speaks once in a while at a church. An apostle was someone in Jesus' day, there was disciples, and then there was those who be called, were called apostles who walked with Jesus, and they were really considered the leader of leaders. They were kind of considered the pastor of the pastors. And the apostle Paul was considered an apostle, not just a disciple, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. From verse 3, we can see that once again Paul's answering a question that was posed by some believers in Corinth. It appears that some of the believers are questioning the authority of the apostle Paul. Have you ever had your authority questioned? Well, Paul was. He, rep- he responds to the questions by posing several questions. He goes, am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen the Lord with my own eyes? Don't you belong to the Lord because of my work? Don't you... He's speaking to Corinth, aren't you saved? Didn't you come to Christ because I came here to preach the gospel to you? With each statement, Paul defends his authority as an apostle. If you remember, Paul was known as Saul. I think Saul was his uh, 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 Jewish name. I think Paul is his Greek name. And Paul was... When he was Saul, he was a persecutor of the church. And then Paul, all of a sudden, had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. There was a bright light that came down upon him. He was struck down, and he had an encounter with Jesus that forever changed his life. Some of you have had that encounter before, where you've had an encounter at the altar, you've had an encounter that changed your life. Paul had that encounter. He could never be the same, he was changed forever. And he was called to go and preach the good news to the Gentiles. So he goes and preaches to Corinth. And many people get saved. The church in Corinth is planted because of the efforts that Paul makes. In verse 3, we see Paul make a statement. This is my answer to, to those who question my authority. And then it seems that Paul just goes off on this rant. I mean, he doesn't respond by answering with statements. Man, he responds by answering with a dozen questions. It's like a machine gun going off, where he just fires off question after question after. I'm like, he's angry, or he's mad. It's like, whoa, Paul, settle down, man. We just asked one question. But he just, I mean, I think it's like a dozen questions in a row. Paul wants them to realize, and I want you to catch this truth, Paul wants them to realize that they have taken the sacrifice that he and Barnabas had made for granted. They they were not appreciating the sacrifice that they had made. He wants them to realize that they had taken the calling of God for granted. They haven't honored what Jesus did with sending Paul and Barnabas to share the good news to them. I don't believe Paul was ranting because he cares about his own reputation or about his own recognition. I just don't believe that's the case. But he wants the church in Corinth to honor the sacrifice that had been made on their behalf. Paul wants them to honor the anointing of God, the power of God. I'm going somewhere. Follow along with me because I think if you grab a hold of what this truth is, it's going to change your life. When you all of a sudden understand that God is running after you, it's going to change your life. It's a reminder for all of us that God has brought people into your life because he loves you. He absolutely adores you. He cares for you. It's like the story of the lost son, the lost coin, the lost, the lost sheep. He will go after you. will leave the 99 after the one that is lost because he loves you. It's a reminder for all of us that God has brought people into your life. God has brought godly pastors, godly teachers, and parents Maybe you had a godly parent that poured into your life, or a godly grandparent, or a godly friend. You fill in the bank the, blank, the blanks of your life, but I know that God has sent people after you. Yeah. Anointing, catch this thought. When you don't honor those who God has sent into your life, you're dishonoring God's anointing. When you don't honor those people that God has sent into your life, you're dishonoring God's anointing. Anointing is the outpouring of God's power through a person's life to accomplish God's plan and purpose in your life. So what happens is God uses people. He uses you to go after a friend. He uses you to share a word of knowledge. He uses you to go and speak to someone at Starbucks or at lunch, and you start. Sh- I just had this a word shared with me yesterday. I'm on the phone with my best friend, and all of a sudden he just starts to pour out just blessing on my life. He just says, Pastor Tom, I know that you're sacrificing. He just starts pouring this out on me, and I'm just receiving it. See, God has placed people in your life. And there's an anointing on because God said, I'm going to anoint that person for Ben. I'm going to anoint that person for Brett. I'm going to anoint that person for Pastor Tom because he needs more of my spirit. There's an anointing. Don't honor, don't dishonor the anointing of God because it's part of God's plan and purpose for your life. See, my thought salvation is secured by my faith in Jesus. But it was my parents' It was my grandparents. It was pastors that God had put into my life that, guess what, showed me the love of God. When the Corinthian believers dishonored Paul, they dishonored God's anointing. That's what offended Paul. That's what ticked him off. That's why he goes on this rant of a dozen questions. It bothered Paul. So Paul goes off on this rant. Don't I have the right to compensation, accommodation, and food when I come there? Do I have to you know, just live on the streets? Don't I have the right to be taken in? Don't I have the right that you support my wife? He doesn't have a wife. He's just mad. (laughs) But don't I have the right to support my wife? You support the other apostles. You support Jesus' brothers. You support Peter. It is only Barnabas and myself who must work to support ourselves. Then Paul gives several examples of workers who are paid for the work. He talks about the soldiers, the farmers, the shepherds. Do you think I'm just expressing my personal opinion? Paul says, "No, no, no, I'm not either. Let me tell you something. Even God's word agrees with my assessment, guys. For the law of Moses says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. In the Bible days, they would gather the wheat into a circular enclosure. I think they got that picture. Thank you. They would yoke several oxen together who would move in a circular motion. They'd go into a circular motion and the hooves of the ox would, would trample on the sheaves and all of a sudden the grain would fall out, the grain from the stalks. The law of Moses states, don't muzzle the ox as it's walking around doing the work, as it's walking around doing the work. Don't, don't put a muzzle on his mouth so he can't eat some food as he's walking around. And he said, you know what? Guys, Corinth, you know what? You're treating your animals better than you're treating Paul and me. Or Barnabas and me. Your animals are being treated better than me. We're working hard and we're slaving for the gospel. Paul is challenging the actions of the Corinthian believers. And in verse 12, Paul states, Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? compensation of some sort then suddenly paul flips the narrative paul's hard man he's hard to understand he flips the narrative he says but we have never used this right we would rather put up with anything than to be an obstacle to the good news about christ where is the apostle paul going with this doesn't he seem a little confusing He's first complaining about not being treated right. Now he states that Barnabas and, and he, he would never use that right. He's complaining, like, ah, it, it seems a little passive aggressive to me. You know what? You guys aren't treating me right, but don't offer me anything because I'm not going to take it anyhow. Isn't, isn't that what it sounds like? Let me explain. I'll explain that in a few moments. Paul then continues to his defense in verse 13. He talks about the temple and how those who work in the temple are compensated. He even references how Jesus ordered that those who preach the good news, Jesus ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. He's talking about, I think, the account that takes place in Luke chapter 10, verse 7. Then in verse 15, Paul flips the narrative again. Yet I have never used any of these rights. The rights that he should have as an apostle, he's never used any of these rights And I'm not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. As you read this, you start to wonder, what is motivating Paul to write this? Now Paul makes a statement that seems maybe a little bit arrogant, maybe just a little bit prideful. I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Now, we don't know how he said it. I say with all that, you know, that... Because it's just written down, so maybe he didn't say it that harsh. But that's what he said. I'd rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. But here re- Paul reveals a powerful truth. I don't think Paul said this in pride. I think what Paul is saying is opposite of pride. I think he's saying it in a way that's total humility before God. And it brings us to a second thought that I want to share with you today. Paul's sacrifice of his apostolic rights. We talked about Paul's rights to have the apostolic rights, but now we're talking about, or to defend his apostolic rights, now we're talking about the sacrifice of his apostolic rights. It's an interesting dichotomy that Paul presents. In one section, Paul seems to be demanding his rights as an apostle, but in the next section, Paul surrenders his rights as an apostle. But Paul doesn't want them to confuse his sacrifice with the lack of anointing. Paul declares in verse 16, yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. Paul had no choice. It had been planted in his heart to go preach the good news. Meaning this, that God had anointed Paul to do so. He was to go and preach the good news to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, although there was Jews as well that came to salvation or Paul's ministry. Paul then writes, if I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment, but I have no choice, for God has given me the sacred trusts. It's really important as we read chapter 9, and this is a little bit of just an insight when you're doing your reading of God's Word or Bible study, that you keep things in context because it's really important as you read chapter 9 that you keep chapter 8 in context with that. In the previous chapter, Paul had challenged, and we opened up with this, Paul had challenged the believers to give up some personal freedom, to give up some personal rights for the love of others. If eating meat sacrificed to idol caused others to stumble, then I will never eat meat again. That's what Paul says. I will never eat meat again if it causes someone to stumble. In this same context, Paul was explaining to the people in Corinth his motive for preaching the gospel. He didn't want them to think that he was doing ministry for a paycheck. Not that he didn't deserve to be paid, but he didn't want them to think, I'm doing this for a paycheck. There was was other things that Paul could have done that would have been much more lucrative than what he was doing. I mean, he was living a rough life. He was doing it because he was called by God. He was anointed by God to bring the good news to the people in Corinth. But it appears that the believers in Corinth started to discount Paul's authority because he wasn't requesting compensation like others. That Somehow this made him less qualified in comparison to the other teachers or pastors or apostles. But Paul's motive is not taking any con- uh, Not taking any compensation was to remove any barriers that might be a stumbling block to the people in Corinth. He wanted them to know he didn't have a choice. God's love compelled him to preach the good news to them. He didn't want his financial support to become a stumbling block to their salvation and was willing to sacrifice that privilege for the sake of the gospel. Remember what was taking place. The apostle Paul had gone to Corinth. He was the first one bringing the good news into the the city of Corinth. He didn't know because he had already been beaten. He had already been whipped. He had already been stoned, left for dead. He didn't know when he was walking in Corinth that he was going to live or die, but he was going to bring the gospel to them. But one of the things that he didn't want to do is go into the Corinth and think that the only reason he's going there is for a paycheck. He's going there to bring the good news. You see, as we as pastors and, and, and ministries and as the people of God, we must always keep that in context. Because I know there's some out there who believe because of a, uh, just a small handful of pastors who are taking advantage in certain areas. That they believe, man, the church is all greedy. All they want is money. And it gives a bad name to the gospel. Paul does not want that. He doesn't want, want the gospel to have a bad name. But with that, let me share this truth with you today. Following God's will for your life will require sacrifice. People don't like to hear that statement, but it's a true statement. Read your Bible. It requires sacrifice. Time and time again throughout scripture you see it. Paul gave up his status and lucrative position as a high-ranking Pharisee to follow Jesus and to preach the gospel. I think most pastors have this heart. It's not about being famous, it's not about being rich, it's not about obeying. It's it's it is it's only about obeying the call of God in their lives. And that usually requires some type of sacrifice. Some pastors don't survive ministry because they never understood God's calling. They saw God's calling as a career or as a job. God's calling as a sacrifice. Understanding God's calling upon your life all of a sudden will become staying power for you. And I'm going to teach you something. I want you to grab a hold of this truth for some of you here today. When you understand, because not all of us are called to be pastors, not all of us are called to be evangelists, but when you understand God's call upon your life, when you understand why God placed you upon this earth, for what purpose that is, and you get spoken by God that calling, it will make you plant and stay because you know that that is God's will for your life. This is what happens to the Apostle Paul. He, there's nothing that's going to take him off this course because God has planted him and anointed him for this purpose. What has God planted you and anointed you for? What purpose is God using you in your life? That's the question you should be asking. I know many here are called to this church. It's more than just attending. You are called to minister within this local body. You are. Yesterday we had Orange County Rescue Mission Saturday night. I see many of the people who volunteered for Orange County Rescue Mission here today. And we go and preach the gospel to those who need to hear the gospel. Been doing that. Gordon shared with me yesterday. Been doing that for 30 years. Come on, somebody faithfulness thank you gordon and leslie for your faithfulness thank you keith for your faithfulness in serving see many of you here don't see the church as an obligation you see the church as a privilege where you get the honor to serve christ yes. right. through the years annette and i have taken pay cuts to go where god has called us not once not twice multiple times I don't know why God does that to me. It's like, hey, I want you to go over here, but it's going to cost you. It's like, oh, my goodness, Lord, really? But can I tell you something? Every time that we followed with the faithfulness of God, when we followed his calling, God has blessed us over and over and over again. We followed his faithfulness, he followed his calling, and he says, oh, man, Thank you for your faithfulness. And, I'm, and not always is it blessing of financials. I have three wonderful kids that love Jesus Christ with all their hearts. For me, that's worth the more than all the gold in the world. Amen. Come on, get, let's, get, let's get real here. Let's get real. God honors sacrifice. Is choosing to answer the call of God in your life to fulfill what God wants you to do. And it's different for all of us. Each calling is unique to us. A few weeks ago, Annette and I were in Las Vegas. I'm going to invite the band, the worship team, just to come on back up to the front. We're going to take communion here today. And I just want to get an atmosphere. We had such a good worship time here. A few weeks ago, Annette and I went to Las Vegas. And um, we happened to run into our, our old neighbors. We, I don't know if we had seen them probably for 20 years. It's been a long time. Chip. Chip and Michelle? Chip and Michelle. We ran into them. Hey, Chip and Michelle, so good to see you guys. And they didn't go to the church that we attended when we were in Las Vegas. They went to another church, but they were faithful lovers of God. We were just kind of chit-chatting and sharing and talking. And and uh, we were talking about, we have grandkids now. Can you believe it? You know, before we were raising our kids at sharing homes and our kids were little. And now we have grandkids. Can you believe that? And they were telling us that they're their kids graduated from college, and they're empty nesters now. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. And then Chip goes, yeah, I'm going to retire this year. I'm going, what? Retire? I'm always so jealous when someone's younger than me is retiring. I go, what? <laughs> I missed that plan somewhere. I don't know how that works. Retire. I don't want to retire, by the way. I love my, I love what God's called me to do. Chip goes yeah we're going to be moving to Arizona Arizona yeah just outside of Phoenix I'm thinking in my head he's moving into Arizona I'm thinking like oh they, you know they're selling their house they're buying their dream, dream retirement house they're going to you know enjoy life and have a blast And he goes, oh no no we're not selling our house we're keeping our house we're renting it out we're actually going to rent a house or a condo there outside of Arizona and all of a sudden this big smile got on his face we're going to help start a church I said, what? He said, our church is starting a church in Arizona. And I'm so excited. So my wife found a job over there. I'm retiring. We're we're going to rent our house out. And we're going to Arizona to go help bring the gospel to that area. I'm going, are you kidding me? Now, it would be more lucrative for him to stay put. Right where he's at. But see, he's not thinking that way. He's thinking, what can I do? And when, when, when the pastor asked, he said, hey, is there anyone here that would want to move to Arizona? Because we're going to, I know it's crazy, but I just feel compelled to share that. If someone wants to go, we're going to start a church in Arizona. I need some great leaders. Chip and Michelle said, yeah, send me, because God's called me. We've been waiting for this opportunity to go, to share the gospel. See, the Apostle Paul in this message, it can be really confusing at times when you read this and go like, what in the world is Paul saying? But Paul is reminding the people in Corinth, he says, yeah, I have apostolic, apostolic rights. I do. Don't ever question my authority again. Otherwise, I'm going to come in person. I'm going to give you some piece of my mind. But he said, I've laid down those rights for the sake of the gospel." I've laid down those rights so that you can hear the gospel and have it where it doesn't, it's not cloudy, there's no confusion, where you can see it clearly. Bringing back to chapter eight, Paul is challenging the people of Corinth. What are you willing to sacrifice for the gospel? What are you willing to give up so that others might hear about the love of God? What are you willing to do in your neighborhood or at your workplace, or wherever God has planted you, so that, guess what? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ might be heard. That's the calling of God in our lives. As we, (laughs) I don't even know where I'm at. (laughs) So good, I love that. We're going to close with communion here today. let's just take a moment to pray that's my message sacrifice of the gospel Lord I thank you for your word I thank you that your word does not return void it is powerful it is effective I pray today Lord that you would use each and every one of us to share the good news of Jesus Christ But for some of those here today that don't understand, Lord God, the anointing, the sacrifice that has been made because of your love for them, if they don't understand that you are willing to move heaven and earth just for them, God, I pray that that would be revealed in their hearts today. And before we take communion, which honors your sacrifice that you made on the cross for our sins, I just want to ask here today with every head bowed, eyes closed for just a second, Hang in with me for a minute. I just feel God's stirring my heart something. I just feel like I get, need to give a word to somebody here today. Hmm. Eyes open for a minute. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just I'm just trying to obey what I feel in my spirit. There's some here today. I don't know if you know Pastor Tom well enough. Um, if I don't have my cell phone my GPS my cell phone, I get lost. I don't know which way to go, I mean it's like, Brett can attest to that, I can pull on my driveway and be lost. I need my cell phone because it gives me directions, tells me where to go. Some of you are living life that way. There might be someone here watching online or here today that you've been living life lost. don't know which way to go I'm here to declare to you today God knows which way to go and he wants you because he loves you I don't know if you know this but God loves the lost he absolutely adores the lost in Luke chapter 15 you can read about the lost coin the lost sheep you can read about the lost son and how the fa- Heavenly Father was awaiting for the lost son to return from home, back to home, so he could wrap his arms around his lost son. The Lord will turn up heaven and earth for you. He left the 99 for the one. If you're here today, and you don't understand the anointed of God, the sacrifice of God, that he desires that you're here at this church at this time, because maybe God loves you that much. He brought you here so you could hear the gospel message. With head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Tom, I'm lost, but I need to be found. I want you to just signify to Jesus, not to me. I just want you to raise your hand real high and just say, yeah, Jesus, that is me. I am lost and I need to be found. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Online, I see that hand. Anybody else? I am lost, but I need to be found in Jesus' name. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your love today. We thank you for your goodness. Will everybody repeat this prayer after me today? Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I surrender my life to you. I've been lost. I need help. I need the power of your spirit. I need the forgiveness of my sins. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Set me free from myself. Lead me by the power of your spirit. I ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God loves you today. We're going to take communion today. If you open up the bottom, you'll see a a wafer there. Communion is an opportunity for you and for me to recognize the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me. Did you know that Jesus himself laid down his rights? when he, He was the son of God, and he came from heaven to earth. Now, I'm not saying he laid down his divinity. He was fully God. I'm just saying that he was willing to let, allow himself to be surrendered to man and to be crucified on the cross because he knew there was a sacrifice that needed to be made. He laid down his rights so that we might be saved. That's a powerful testimony right there. Jesus never asked some to ask you to do something he hasn't already done for you and for me. We, I can't even fathom the love of God. I don't mean, have, Paul says, there's not, even, there's not even enough depth in the ocean. There's not, not enough expanse to understand God's love for you and for me. So Lord, we take this bread today that represents the body that was broken for, for each and every one of us. We take this bread today, Lord God, and we just say thank you. Thank you for showing us the way. Thank you for showing us your love. Thank you for making a sacrifice for each and every one of us today. Take that bread with me today. You can open up the top of that. And there's just juice inside of this cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Pastor Tom, I'm new to the church. I don't understand why why are we drinking something that represents the blood of Jesus Christ? Because the Bible says that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. There had to be a price that was paid and it had to be the price of someone who was perfect and the only one that was perfect was in heaven. And so he came from heaven to earth and he shed his blood on that cross for your sins and for my sins that once once and for all By faith, we can live through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest love story ever told. It's our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we take this cup today, Lord. And for those who maybe don't feel your love, I pray as we take this today, they will understand your love in a greater way than ever before. Thank you for the sacrifice on the cross. Thank you that you raised three days later and you, Lord God, you're sitting at the right hand of the Father right now interceding for us. God, we thank you so much for who you are and for all that you do. In Jesus' wonderful name, will you partake? Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources.